Hi, I'm Priya O'Broy. I'm the founding general partner of Goddess Gaia Ventures, uh, a new venture capital fund in the UK. And Femtech to me means that every woman deserves parity in healthcare. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus Podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. Before I intro our guest, I want to tell you about some really exciting updates at Femtech Focus. First, we have migrated our virtual community to a new, more interactive platform. We moved our previously publicly available databases of Femtech startups and exits from our website to this new community. You can find the Femtech Institute, which is a self-guided women's health accelerator, to learn how to fundraise, build, and scale your company. I host weekly office hours where I would love to meet with all of you one-on-one. We have an events calendar of all the upcoming women health events around the world, and you have the ability to add yours, too. Sounds awesome, right? Well, it's free to join and only $14.99 a month if you want to unlock the FemPro perks. Join the community by going to femtechfocus.org. The second big announcement is our upcoming virtual jobs fair with our partner at the Bowdoin Group on March 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Whether you're a student looking for an internship or post-graduation work, or if you're a professional switching industries, this is a great opportunity for you. We'll have an incredible keynote interview with the Bowdoin Group about the current state of the jobs market and what skills people need to work and be successful in femtech. Then you'll have the opportunity to meet virtually in different rooms with different companies and learn about their mission and open positions. If you are a women's health company hiring, this event is for you too. Whether you are looking for interns, a co-founder, making your first official hire, scaling your team, or filling out a whole department, companies from big to small can register to have a virtual booth and meet with hundreds of the top femtech candidates around the world. Register at femtechfocus.org. Okay, fem fans, so in today's episode, I interview Priya Obroy, founding general partner of Goddess Gaia Ventures. Priya is an entrepreneur, founder, and lawyer by training. She's also a cancer survivor who's passionate about investing in technologies that improve women's health. Goddess Gaia Ventures is a female-founded 100 million pound venture fund investing in pre-series A femtech startups in the United Kingdom. They align their investments with creating a sustainable and healthy planet and prioritize investing in underrepresented and female founders. If you'd like your startup's fundraise to be considered by Goddess Gaia, then go to ggventures.co.uk to submit information about your deal. That's ggventures.co.uk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Priya. Welcome to the show. Hey, hi, Brittany. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You uh, you have your biscuit and your tea already. Very English. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the evening here. <laughs> okay, get the biscuit and some tea and I'll be ready for the interview. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, women have to have their quirks as well. I think as we were just saying beforehand, you need self-care. I mean, you could go mm. ahead and build a whole fund and realize by the evening you haven't even eaten anything. Yeah. And that's that's not great. You know, you've got to look after yourself. Absolutely. Founders, listen up. You got to do your self-care. <laughs> otherwise, it all crumbles. It all just, just falls apart. Um, well, Pia, um, we love to kick our interviews off with learning more about the guest, like your personal story. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, your background, maybe even your heritage. You know, you are you are a woman who of color who's won awards based on like the things that you've the, the ceilings you've been able to break through. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, your journey, and then uh, we'll get to what is Goddess Guy Adventures. But tell us more okay. about you first. Yeah, happy to. So, um, well, I mean, I am a woman of colour, as you could tell. I went to, I went, I, I grew, grew up in London. Um, I went to University of Oxford. I studied law. Um, I came from a very modest background, um, loving parents. But, you know, they they really encouraged me to work hard. And, and that kind of got me to Oxford. I got my great grades. And then I went off to be a lawyer. I was a finance and derivatives lawyer, and I loved that job because I ended up traveling to Moscow, to Kazakhstan, to Geneva, to New York, to Paris, came back to London, and then I was up for my partnership and I got cancer. And I think that was a really pivotal sort of point in my life where I was kind of faced with the fact of, do I want to work 90 hours in a corporate? And I wasn't married, I didn't have kids. Um, or do I actually want to have a life and live, basically? And I, it really was a very scary time. So I had um, a vulva cancer, which was really, it's quite rare, to be honest. Um, so I basically left my job in two weeks and I was in the partnership process. So that was kind of a bizarre thing to do because everyone's looking at me going, um, you, you're not well. Are you not well in the head? Is that OK? And it was like, no, you know what? I think this is the right thing for me. And I, I basically took a year off, got better, and then decided what I really wanted to do. And I love traveling, as I mentioned. I love meeting people. I was single and, and no responsibilities. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be a private placement agent. And I had no expertise in any of this. I tried to get a job. No one would hire me. I thought, sod it. I'll set up my own company. And I did. And within three days, I got my first client. And I essentially spent the last 10 years taking very wealthy people with very clever ideas from UK, the US and Europe into the Middle East and raising money for them. And I loved it. I built my team. You know, we've had a great journey. And then I think when COVID hit, it just became really apparent that that business model doesn't work. You know, no one was getting on planes, everything shut down. And I could have ridden it out. And I thought, what do I want to do now with my life? Because I'm 20 years in. And I thought, look, I've had the cancer. I had a really painful fertility journey because um, with cancer, there was lots of complications. Um, but now we have a lovely five-year-old boy um, and I live with an autoimmune disease. And I thought, God, I cannot be the only woman in the world who has these problems. I mean, I know I'm special, but I'm not that special, right? So <laughs> there's got to be other people who have this. And yeah, that's kind of the the genesis of why I wanted to build this fund. I mean, I think it's my own personal journey and my own personal, you know, health problems and heartache. And do you know, not actually having people along the way to help you as well. 
So, you know, we're talking 10 years ago now. So yeah, I, th I think that's, that's kind of my personal journey to where I am today. And, and why I decided to, you know, basically start building a fund, which is called, as you said, Goddess Guy Adventures. So exciting. Through your, you know, uh, medical experience, did you find that it was subpar or like, did you not even realize it was subpar? You thought maybe this was the best that it is or, you know, but did you feel like there was a lacking and therefore you're like, yeah, one day that needs to get fixed? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I think at the time I was, so when I got my cancer diagnosis, I was so shocked because I was so young yeah. and I, and it was by pure coincidence, I had a routine um, sort of smear test and, and I was seeing the, the, I was seeing the specialist and it's only because I lived in Switzerland that they do these tests every year. In the UK, you do it every three years. So it was just random that I actually went to the doctor and, and actually this, this got caught quite early on because otherwise it really could have ended up in a different situation. But yeah, I mean, the subpar, I think, is is not being tested enough. I think being misdiagnosed. I mean, my autoimmune disease, which is lichen planus. I mean, I think I went to 40 doctors in the UK. And in the end, I ended up going to a, a homeopathic doctor in India who could actually diagnose me, give me some medicine, and then come back to London and find the right doctor. And the fertility journey, I mean, that was just crazy. I mean, we, my husband and I must have gone to 25 30 doctors spent nearly 80 90 000 dollars equivalent on tests and absolutely everything was just so heartbreakingly sad you know every person oh no you can't do this so it's too complicated there was nothing positive there's no positive reaffirmation that this is something you could do that we can help you and in the end i found this amazing doctor who um you know is the the one of the early sort of pioneers of IVF and he's a black doctor and honestly apart from keeping me two hours waiting in his waiting room was so sympathetic and he he just said look I'm going to help you and virtually he had a lot of tests in the U.S. so actually it was his connections with the U.S. and all that correct testing which got me on the right treatment path and I needed a, a different plan of estrogen and progesterone that a lot of other women who are going through this fertility journey didn't need and how to measure that with cancer, right? So I basically had five doctors at one time, you know, and I was managing my, my appointments and who's talking to whom and how much of this, you know, when I needed to be tested, I'm thinking, how is this so crazy that we don't have an app? or some technology, or someone who can help me with this stuff. I mean, why am I doing it? Like, and this, you, know, this is only get you manage people, you lead people, you get stuff done, you close deals. And so for you to find it difficult to manage it, it's like, how could a, a woman who's making minimum wage handle this? You totally, know? totally. And it's, you know, it, it is, you know, for me, it was so heartbreaking, you know, like when I started thinking about this fund, I thought I'm so lucky, you know, I have been blessed that like you said, I have my education, you know, I have a great family and I have that support and my husband was amazing, but wow, you know, it takes it out of you. And actually while you're going through it, all you're doing is trying to figure out how do I survive? How do I get to the end of it? But you're not actually processing the emotions while you're going through it. So 
in a way, actually, when I, when I, you know, when COVID hit, I actually had first time to think in maybe 10 years and actually figure out what actually happened. And it really struck me that I, I got lucky, but why am I not helping other people get lucky? I mean, surely I should be giving back. And it just made more sense of why this all happened to me, because there had to be a reason, right? For, in my yeah. mind, at least. And I thought, well, maybe this is my path. And honestly, I have never thought of anything like this in my 20 year career. I have, um, you know, always been very keen to be top of the class, make money, um, you know, really worked in a male orientated environment all through my career. And it's like a 360 happened. And it was the time to just, you know, spend time to think and figure out what do I really want to do? And then I started on this path and I met people like you and other people. And it's, it's amazing that energy makes you realize why this is so important and why women's healthcare has been so underserved, underrepresented, underfunded. How is that even fair? How is that inclusive? Why are women of color not, you know, you know, there's there's disparities between men and women, but there's even further disparities between women and women of color. So it's like, how is this even acceptable in yeah, today's how, how, how are we like, not all quitting our jobs, stomping in the streets, throwing <laughs> tampons around? Like, we need a good yeah. <laughs> totally I mean you get it right I mean but you know it's sort of I think as well you know it, it's also a generation thing I mean when you know when I was growing up you know I don't know you were just sort of told to sort of grin and bear it in a way right and it's that's not correct and you know like as as women start hitting perimenopause menopause there are a whole bunch of problems that start coming up I mean, nobody knows what they are. We have no treatments for that. We're not even discussing it. And then obviously at the other end of the spectrum is things like contraceptive, sexual wellness. You know, why are women not given, I don't know, like a better understanding, a better lexicon, a better dialogue around that so we can make more informed decisions about what we want to do. And yeah, I, I think my own journey just made me realize that yeah, I need to do something and, and hopefully we'll be successful in this process, but it does feel like a bit of a crusade right now. Yeah. Because honestly, having raised money for other people, when you raise it for yourself, you realize how personal it is and you take it to heart because it's like, do you not like me? Do you not like my investment thesis? Do you not <laughs> like what I stand for? <laughs> what is it basically? And you just have to let all of that go and just say, no, I have conviction for what I want to build and people will come yep. and investors will come. And this is a necessity in today's world. Yep. Well, let's get into it. What is Goddess Sky Adventures? <laughs> what is it? So it's a, it's a venture fund that invests at growth seed or pre-series A. It's um, it invests in cancer tech, fertility tech, well tech and femtech. Um, and, you know, essentially we want to build a cross-pollinization portfolio of 25 companies and, super, and, and grow them to Series A. And the reason why we've chosen that, you know, part of the cycle is because healthcare and healthcare for women needs extra runways. So if you think of venture for SaaS or FinTech, you know, every 18 months you're raising, great. But you can't do that for healthcare because healthcare needs longer MVPs, needs longer pilots, 
it needs regulation in certain cases. So how can you fit in that 18 month box? So when we looked at the market and started mapping it out, we thought, well, hold on a minute. These guys have raised pre-seed, they've received, but why are they struggling now? And it's like, yeah, well, actually they're struggling because it's healthcare. So who's operating in that space? Well, no one. So we basically picked up the phone to the Atomicos of this world and the Google Ventures and said, like, what's wrong with these companies? Do you not like them? And it was like, no, we like them. They just can't get to Series A metrics in those timeframes. Yeah. So we just said, right, well, that's where we'll come in. And I think with our skill set as well, I think founders at that stage, they know what they want. They just need a bit of rocket fuel, right? They need a bit of support and they need connections and networks. So that that actually plays to our skill set as well. So that's what Goddess Gaia is. And, you know, it's going in at that gross seed, you know, with a 2.5 million check, getting them to a supersized Series A and then helping them scale to the US. Because the bottom line is you cannot build a unicorn without the US market. So, you know, that's that's kind of my personal view. And and I and I think I think that works. I really do. So that's kind of where we are when what we do. Yeah, I love it. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting you brought up earlier that your treatments really came to a head once there was a collaboration with U.S. doctors and U.K. doctors, right? And so I see a kind of a mirroring messaging here where there's amazing companies in the U.K., but we got to link it with the U.S. Can you give our listeners a little insight into like what... um, how it feels in London or the UK in general right now around femtech? Is there excitement? Is there confusion? Is there like, what, how, how's it feeling? What's the pulse of femtech in the UK? Well, it's definitely a buzzword if that's the right way of putting it. Um, but I, th- I think and you're very famous, Brittany, as you know, right? And so <laughs> there's two extremes, right? I think you have the femtech of, I don't know. It's sort of like the pink brigade, as I call it. Right. You know, some people who maybe don't take it, you know, it's it's like, oh, girls are doing something together. Right. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where it's like scientists, you know, real science meets innovation. And I think that's the spectrum we want to play at. We want to invest in in companies yeah, which aren't just creating communities. There's there's a place for communities as well, but things that are actually going to move the needle for women's health, right? So one of the companies I love, I mean, she has, so uh, breast cancer diagnostics normally takes about 10 days, right? To get a diagnosis. And you only even know when you have breast cancer, when it tends to metastasize somewhere else in the body, right? So um, she has through uh, artificial intelligence created a solution where within 24 hours you can get the results right now just think about what that does to someone instead of waiting 10 days you wait 24 hours you have the results earlier and those early diagnostics means better treatment better pathways better solutions that's a better society i mean surely that's worth investing in right I mean, stuff like that blows my mind, right? What are some of the other investments you've made so far? I know that you've had some really awesome companies, so just yeah so there's another one to shout out (laughs) (laughs) well you know you know them really really well but like there's another like uh fetal heart rate I mean I love I love the founder who who, who's basically put that together I mean it's a way of measuring through a d2c program um uh, sorry d2c solution the heart rate of of your of your unborn child now think about what's happened in COVID I mean most people are trying to leave the healthcare profession, <laughs> poor things. I mean, they've gone through so much. Um, 
there's so many touch points in a hospital when you go in to go and have your baby's heart rate you know monitored you've got to get to the hospital wait at the hospital wait for the results get checked out come home again whereas this is allowing you to do the same thing at home scan over the results to the doctor so what does that mean in a nutshell it means that less time wasted as efficient or maybe more efficient results less stress for the mother better for mother and baby less probably cesareans going forward because there's a lot of cesareans that happen through stress as well and you know if you're a high-risk pregnancy as I was for example you know I want to measure you know I want to know my baby's okay it was so important and I was traipsing to the hospital for scans every week and here in the UK you're only allowed two on the national health right the rest you have to pay for so you're paying 200 pounds which whatever 250 260 dollars for a scan yeah I mean that's crazy right I mean you know why why is there not a more cost-efficient solution Mm -hmm. so so stuff like that you know for me it's not only a great investment that is scalable that um, can make money and a great founder and a great team but it's also something that is impactful and makes a change in society and I would love goddess Gaia to be known for those kind of investments you know um it's if you're going to build something you might as well build something that's going to change the world otherwise why bother building it right and now a quick word from our sponsors Building on the success of the Women's Health Innovation Summit USA, I am delighted to announce that Kisako Research has launched a European version of their Women's Health Conference. This event is taking place on April 26th and 27th in Basel, Switzerland, and will continue the acceleration of innovation and investment in women's health and femtech solutions. Globally, the European women's health market is one of the fastest growing with new technologies, therapeutics, devices, and platforms being developed to improve women's access and quality of care. The summit will bring together the leaders and innovators from Europe and Israel, including big pharma, medical device companies, startups, incubators, and venture funds. The conference wants to drive successful partnerships, showcase leading disruptive solutions, and fuel the growth of these businesses in women's health sector. Their two-day summit is guaranteed to bring value to your business strategy, connections, and growth. To register, go to kasakoresearch.com backslash events backslash women's health innovation Europe. That's Kasako, K-I-S-A-C-O, research.com backslash events backslash Women's Health Innovation Europe. And now back to the interview. Um, What is your opinion for founders that are in the UK that are wondering, maybe they have an MVP, they haven't gone to market just yet. I talked to a lot of EU founders that are fundraising their rounds so they can come to the U.S. right away versus launching there. So just in kind of uh, any trends around, do you find that U.K. companies launch first in the U.K. and then they hit a certain point and then come to the U.S.? Or do they, are they thinking about that from day one? Talk, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I think like a lot of our partners um, uh, that we have in the US, they, they've actually said to us that it's better to think about this earlier on, right? Because if you think about it, like the US has a payer payee system, which is very different to the NHS and incredibly different to Europe. So 
if you're building something in the UK, um, like current health, right, in Scotland, I mean, they've they've just had a, um, a great sort of round in the US. Um, you know, how how does that product fit in the US, right? You've got to think about that while you're building it, because otherwise, all you do is end up kind of what do you do land on the, the shores of New York and go, Hey, I'm here now. My product all your, is a product all the plugs are wrong, right? Like all yeah, the plugs are wrong. Exactly. <laughs> the US is like, how do we plug in? I can't do it. Yeah. It's not a plug and play. So I think it's, you know, whatever you you're building, it's got to be, you've got to think about who's paying for this stuff. Is it so in the US, is it the corporates? Is it the individuals? You know, is it Medicare? Is it what what is it? Who who's actually paying for this solution? In the UK, we have the NHS, which is, you know, a, a government-funded organization, healthcare system. But then here we need to think, how does the insurance blend in with that? Will individuals pay for this solution? So I think these things need to be thought of at the foundation and the beginning. And so, you know, when you're building your MVP, I would start picking up the phone straight away, actually, and say to people, look, because it's much easier to change things at that stage than down the road, right? Because if your desire is to build a unicorn, you cannot escape the US market. It's, it's, you have to include it. You, you have to scale in the US. So surely it's better to start thinking about this stuff early on than down the road and then having to rewind it and rewire it and start again. Totally. As you're fundraising this fund, I mean, obviously I'm like totally convinced, right? In your investment thesis. (laughs) I'm I'm an easy sell, right? Uh, But when you're going- You're one of our special advisors, so you better be an easy sell. I need you to- There are, to the best of my knowledge, no other women's health specific funds in the United Kingdom. And so as you're going out there pitching this idea, what are some impressions that you're getting? And I don't, don't throw anyone under the bus. It's not what this is about, but we know that there's a lot of people listening that are fundraising and they are hitting walls. Right. And so I think it might be comforting if they hear that you might be struggling, give or take, you know, based on your background of being a badass financial fundraiser, what's your experience like? Fundraising for women's health. Okay, so I first thing I will say is there's a very different uh, USP when investors speak to women and men. And I never would have believed it unless I was in the process. So, for example, when I have been fundraising for other people, they tend to ask men questions about growth and the future and your aspirations. I mean, sometimes investors ask us like how many kids we have, right? And so there's 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 at least seven kids between us, right? So that's you know like why does that matter? Does it mean that you don't care as much about what you're building? I mean, they're very defensive questions. What what we're being asked, and and it's sort of like you're having to prove yourself and demonstrate you can do the job, whereas with men, it's normally given that they can do the job, they just need some money. Yeah, yeah. So there is a big distinction there. I think also as well, um, I think there's just a, a level of frustration now in the market, in especially in the UK, about women being over-mentored. We don't need to be any, we, of course, <laughs> mentoring, but, you know, there is over-mentoring and trying to fit a circle in a square and a square in a circle. For God's sake, just give us the investment dollars. We will demonstrate through performance that we know 
how to do our jobs. I mean, I think that parity isn't there yet with men and women when they're when they're fundraising. <laughs> I think fundraising in women's health is also another roadblock because some of the solutions that you know that you're talking about, I think if the allocators are not near to the problem, they have less empathy. Number one, right? Uh, two, I think there's a shyness still about you know an ickiness about sexual wellness, for example, or I don't know, you know, talking about vaginas or talking about breasts, you know, it isn't an easy conversation sometimes with, with male allocators. And it's not us who feel uncomfortable, it's maybe they who feel uncomfortable, right? And then I just think as well, you know, a lot of people, and especially VCs, they build portfolios where healthcare is sort of the outlier. So you're not building a a, a focused portfolio, what we are doing. So our aim is to build 25 portfolio companies that actually help each other. And, and that is very unique. Whereas most VCs, they just build, they, they'll invest in healthcare, but it's the outlier. It's one of many, many different types of companies. So that doesn't really lend itself for allowing the founders in that portfolio to help each other, right? Because if you think about it, you have similar metrics, you have a similar customer base, uh, similar, you know, ideas and values, surely those founders can work together and yeah. actually create better products as well. So there's definitely that issue as well. Um, but yeah, of course, it is so hard. I think for any emerging fund manager, it's hard work to fundraise, right? Full stop. But it's even harder, I think, if you're a woman, and I think it's even harder in women's health, right? That said, I think you just have to keep going, right? And that tenacity, it really will make you because there are always ups and downs in life, always. You know, in my career, I've had ups, I've had downs, right? And, you know, this, I just look at this as something that I need to move through. Yeah. And, you know, and it's the same with founders. You know, you have to believe in your product and yeah. you will find the right investor. It's a bit like a marriage, right? You're, you're, you're trying to find people that understand you because it's a 10 year relationship at least. So that's quite a long time. And you got to work with people that you're comfortable with, who you trust and who have your back. So yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, if I set up a Mentech fund, I think I'd probably get, you know, funded in one month, right? <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is I want to set up this Mentech fund. It's, it may take a little bit longer than I am hoping for, but I believe that this is the right way forward. And I know ex I know exactly how well these companies are going to do commercially and financially. And there will definitely be unicorns in that portfolio. But I also know how impactful these products and solutions will be and how, how much good they will do in the world. So that's what keeps me going, basically. Love it. One of the things I love about um, your you know, vision for your fund is how big it is. So a lot of femtech funds, there's about six of them, um, most of them around $10 million. And you can't make big checks on a lot of checks when you have a $10 million fund. And, you know, okay. there's, um, you know, I, you know, have helped co-found Coyote and it's a $10 million fund. And some days people tell us, 
that's too small. You need to raise more. I'm not investing unless you raise more. And then other people are like 10 million. That's too big for you too. Like you gotta, you gotta be smaller, you know? So why a hundred million? I love it. I'm like, why not? Like freaking, yeah. <laughs> Grow a pair yeah. of ovaries, y'all. hundred million euros, right? But what's your view on it? Yeah, but you know what, Brittany, it's, you know, I was talking to someone today. Uh, she's a, you know, a really badass healthcare private equity investor, right? hundred mil is a small fund when you start looking at round sizes, right? I mean, Atomico just put a series A 20 mil check-in for fertility. It's like a insurance tech uh, for fertility planning. I'm like, oh my God. 20% of the fund, you know? Like- I'm like, okay, right. That, that's crazy, right? Because, you know, we've, we've modestly sort of thought about 2.5 check, right? For 15%. And you're thinking, that's 25 companies, that's 50% of the fund. So we have 50% for, for, uh, you know, doubling down. And surely, you know, if you're investing in something, you want to be able to double down, right? And maintain your pro rata, that would be silly not to. So actually it's not a big fund, it's 25 companies, but it sounds big. And the reason why it sounds big is I really believe that a lot of people are just trying to, pass off sometimes and appease people by saying oh have a micro fund and there's nothing wrong with micro funds but at the same time you do need bigger funds to start making a dent in the ecosystem that's right and if we are all working on that on the on so let's think of a 10 mil check i mean what are you putting in on average into a uh, into a into a founder uh what 200k yeah like a hundred thousand dollars yeah. okay right okay so think about that right so you're going in at sort of pre-seed right mm-hmm. and okay in the uk we have quite a lot of money at pre-seed to so family so family and friends is always a little bit of difficulty especially if you don't come from those networks right but if you manage to do that you've there's money at pre-seed in the uk there's money at seed right there's money at Series A and beyond. The problem is there is no money between seed and Series A. Yeah. And there's only, I think, I remember reading somewhere, there's only a 17% chance of getting from seed to Series A for a normal company, let alone women's health, female founder, and anything else you want to wrap around that. So surely you want to go into the funding gap 100%. and play big there. And that's where you make the most difference because you know what, an extra price round between seed and series A will give that rocket fuel and they will get to those supersized series A and then they're ready to go. And that's why I think it's important. So yeah, look, all, all, you know, and I kudos to anyone who raises a fund, honestly, kudos to anyone because it is one of the hardest things on this earth to do. It is so you know it, it really great who's a cancer survivor autoimmune <laughs> all of these things and you're like hardest thing <laughs> yeah I don't want put it in my career yeah I mean honestly there were days and you know for anyone out there there are days when I say why don't I just join an existing fund I could just do that right it would make my life so much easier um but then I just think you know what I'm building this because I believe in what we're building and I believe in the vision. And I know how many, like I said, I know how, how important it is to go in at that stage and help those kind of founders. But yeah, even for someone like me, sometimes I, I, we would think with all this, you know, 
education and, and whatever um, experience, you still feel like you have your down days, right? And that's when I think self-care, having, you know, some structure to your life and actually believing in yourself is so important and having good people around you. Because, uh, yeah. you know, any, when you're building anything new, it's always going to be difficult. It's, you know, you're, you're being a bit of a maverick, right? You're swimming against the tide. It's That's always great that you know how hard it is to build something because I think that makes the best investors. The worst investors are ones that like made their money from corporate and they think about million dollar marketing budgets, right? Like they're not very compatible <laughs> for the people yeah. who are like stringing it together. Totally. And you know what? You're so right. Like, I mean, I, I would say like we've made a few, you know, uh, investments and that's with our own money recently. And I must say, I, I love the founders we're investing in. And I, they seem to like us because, you know, they get it and we get it what they're going through. I mean, honestly, unless you sat down on the floor at two in the morning, cried your eyes out because the bloody printer doesn't work or you can't make payroll, you don't know what it's like to be a founder. You just don't know. Um, you know, there were so many times in my own company where I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to pay the rent? Oh my God, I haven't got any money coming in this month. Oh my God, like people are depending on me to make the right decisions, right? That is actually a really, you know, you, you really have to grow up quickly in those situations. And, you know, to actually be that person and be that support and actually keep a smile on your face while you're juggling 20 balls in the air, that's a skill. And so any founder who can do that, kudos to them, kudos. It is not easy to build anything, be it, you know, a fund or be it a founder or be it, be it anything, right? So, you know, and actually I would find working in a corporate really hard now because I don't want to go to mindless meetings and put my, you know, like when I was in a corporate, you had to put your jacket behind your chair just to show them you were in the office. I'm like, that's crazy. Oh my God, like an attendant via your jacket on the chair. Oh my, yeah, I can't, I can't. And and, you know, just, you know, like I remember like (laughs) I was told, I was told by like my senior. So if you, when you, when you go into a partnership process, you need people to sponsor you. Right. Um, And I was told like, could you not um, be less you? And I'm like, what does that mean? It's like, well, you know, I'm wearing a red outfit and everyone else is wearing black. And I'm like, but does it really matter what I'm wearing, right? Yeah. I mean, surely it matters that I know my know my skill set, I know my job, I know how to be a great attorney, and I can get clients in. Yeah, yeah. No, so you are judged as well. So yeah, it would be. I think every environment has its challenges, and it's important to know which challenges you want to fight. Yeah. So for me, that wasn't worth fighting over. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It but just, it just was investing. Yeah, so, so exactly right. So I just thought, you know what, I don't want to fight that. And it's, and it's so patriarchal, so, you know, I mean, law, this is you're talking around when the Lehman's collapsed, you know, it's like you have really bright people and you think, well, you just blew up the bloody world, right? And I'm sitting there as an attorney trying to unravel these <laughs> contracts and no one even knows where the bloody margin call came from. And I'm thinking, how is that going to be my life going forward? Yeah. And um, you know, I've just had this horrible diagnosis. Surely that's a sign from the gods that this is not the way forward for me. That's right. That's right. But it, but I think it takes a lot of, um, 
bravery to walk away from something as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, you know, so, you know, building is really important, but also know when you need to pivot. Yep. That's right. And also know when you need to change and adapt and and have different people around you because there's no shame in that, right? I think I think that's also like our culture today. You know, you don't need to keep pushing, pushing, pushing against the door. Sometimes you just go left and you, the door opens or go right and the door opens, you know? Yeah. So that's also important. Definitely. Well, you have had some really cool leads. So I've seen on your LinkedIn pictures of you on Downing Street, having round tables about women's health. You have a conference coming up in Scotland. So tell me about Downing Street and then tell me about the Scottish government uh, and this uh, conference you're putting on. Yeah, so uh, the Downing Street is obviously lobbying with the government because obviously women's health is super important. You know, you've got to put investment dollars into it, but you also need to change policy and you also need to you, you need to have parity between men and women. And that involves working with governments. And so, you know, yeah, part of building a fund, I think, is also helping change the narrative. But you cannot change the narrative by just putting money into companies, right? You need to create legislation, regulation. It needs to be easier for these companies to thrive. And actually, you need to be able to create an environment and an ecosystem that allows them to thrive, right? So that's all the lobbying there. And to be honest, they are they are being helpful, right? So it's kind of funny, right? I didn't think they would be, but they are. And so you know, we're in the process, I think, of getting a, a health minister now, women's health minister, which is, wow. you know, really great. Um, and Scotland already has a women's health minister, which is amazing, right? So Marie Todd, and, you know, we were asked by the Scottish government to put on a conference on femtech, which is at the end of March, I think 25th and 26th of March, to basically showcase you know, how great femtech is, you know, how to get more students and founders into femtech to demonstrate that, you know, it is a trillion dollar market, you know, by, you know, your own research, you know, you're the one who's put that out there to show people because everyone's kind of like saying, yeah, femtech's so small, but actually it's not. It depends how you, how you value it and how you, how you, how you actually map it out. And, you know, this is a great way to show you know, a younger generation, look, if you want to do something, if you want to create something, there's more women coming through STEM, why don't you create solutions and something that really matters to you? And this is a huge term and more investors will come into it. So yeah, part of the conference is really to encourage and excite younger founders and students to say, right, start thinking, what, what could you do? I mean, yeah, I mean, you could develop another FinTech company. You know, I mean, but you also could uh, maybe develop a, a cure for cancer, right? For endometriosis, which we don't have, for better screening for, um, I don't know, vulva cancers and cervical cancers. I mean, there are so many things that you could do with that fine brain, right? Yeah, I now I, my eyes can't roll any harder at pitch competitions when someone's up there pitching like a, a interior design app that you know, uses augmented reality to figure out where to put your couch. And I'm like, you, you know, women are dying, right? We're all, we're all clear <laughs> on this. Like what, 
I don't exactly. what uh, why are we investing a million dollars into an app that tells me if my curtain should be green or blue? I don't know. Okay. Um, and, and that's what I mean. There's so much, there's so much money in our system, in our ecosystem, everywhere, you know, but that money needs to be channeled correctly. It needs to be funneled correctly. And why is it it's not going into women's health? Why is it that we why are we even having this conversation? Surely it's yeah. 101. <laughs> if you know it's a so you know 12 trillion dollar TAM healthcare, why is money not going from big pharma, especially? Why isn't it going from investors into women's health? It's 50% of the planet. I, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a total, you know, and you know, it doesn't matter your sexual orientation, or, you know, or your, you've got kids and siblings, whatever. Ultimately, every single one of us owes our life to a woman. So surely we should respect that, right? I mean, it just, I mean, that's just basic humanity for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a terrible comedy that we're finding. Yes. Of and we're just like, this is a movie, right? Please wake me up. Um, Priya, you are, you know, investing, looking at deals. Um, you have this conference coming up, you have meetings on Downing street. How can our listeners, if they're a founder fundraising and they're like, oh my gosh, I want Priya to look at my deck or maybe they want to attend your conference. How do they learn more? Uh, uh, we have a website which, um, has, um, a lovely form where you can automatically submit your deck. So that's, that's the first way. And someone will pick it up for sure. We are always looking for really great solutions. I mean, and, you know, we want to, we want to know what people are doing, right? That's really important. And we want to start that dialogue. And I think on the conference, you know, there'll be more details up on our website, you know, it's all going to go through Eventbrite. So, and there's also a streaming part of the of the conference as well so people can can either come in person to scotland and very welcome to do so it's all free or they are very welcome to stream them as well so more of that information will be on the on the website as well in, in the coming days and for those listening the website is ggventures.co.uk you can also check the show notes the hyperlink will be in there uh priya this has been so much fun we have two last questions that our listeners really love okay. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring, you're talking about students. We have a ton of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to our show and they want to get into women's health. So what's an area in women's health that still needs innovating in your mind besides everything? Because we it's a trick question. So what's something in particular that's, uh, you know, close to you in your heart that you, you wish somebody would create a solution for in women's health? I, I think for me, it's always going to be the cancer tech, right? You know, and I think um, how cancer and fertility interrelate, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of women who go through some really horrible situations and then that compromises their fertility, right? I mean, surely we should be able to figure out, like, if you want to be a mom, that you can be a mom, right? And it just is crazy that there, there isn't more information, you know, and more solutions and more tech enabled solutions in this area. So that that's personal to me. Um, I would also love someone to figure out how do you deal with autoimmune diseases? Because they're on the rise. I mean, women really are disproportionately affected. I mean, I'm still living with mine, like, what is it, 14 years now, right? And it's under control, but it has flare ups, right? And it's and it's, it's connected to stress. And surely, you know, that is an area which is 
obviously more women are suffering, but we should try and be able to, to deal with that, right? And for me, it's not just science, it's science, it's, it's our eating habits, our epigenetics, our DNA. There are so many, I think, levels and, and, and layers to go through to understand why women are suffering from things like autoimmune diseases so much, basically, and environment as well, actually. So that would be amazing. But that, that, those things are complicated. Mm-hmm, but yeah, yeah I, I, they, they are complicated. But, you know, I just think given that the, the, there's such a steep rise in those areas, it would be great if people put, you know, energy and effort into that. And, you know, they need funding to do that, right? Right. That's right. Our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Hmm. Okay, I have a little bit of a controversial view on this, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in women helping women, um, but I think you need to bring men into the narrative. Yeah. And especially white men into the narrative. So where the halls of power are, where the deep pockets are, you need to bring them into this conversation because it's really hard to, to, I think, build something and change things if you don't have, you know, the existing status quo at least somewhat involved in this, right? Um, And look, I'm not saying, you know, women shouldn't, you know, help each other. Of course they should, but, you know, it shouldn't be only... You know, you, you don't want to build a pseudo system, which is like the one we have now, which is excluding people, right? Surely we want to build a more inclusive system. Femtep can be more, I think, can be inclusive. But I think so part of that is I think we need to encourage all sectors, all areas of society, all races, genders to be involved, right? And, you know, for us as well, I was looking at something this morning about um, fertility in the transgender and cisgender community and I was just surprised that like people are not like looking into this stuff I mean surely solutions need to keep up with changes in society right and and adaptions in society and it's it's that's that's the heartbreaking thing you know you know it's like COVID has done a great job in some ways of leveling up right and you know every one of us can get COVID right so we're all the same no one's more special than someone else but at the same time femtech can be a little bit like hey I'm excluding everyone else and we're having this little conversation between us but actually you need to bring other people into that conversation bring investment dollars and bring different people into the narrative and actually encourage them and educate them to understand that women make great founders they exit faster they're more profitable right women's health is a necessity for today's society and that takes time yeah and i think that that for me is is something that i think the femtech community can help with absolutely Priya, this has been a pleasure. You are a powerhouse to reckon with, and I cannot wait to see all the unicorns you invest in and uh, be wildly successful in the UK and uh, one day going to Downing Street with you, eating a biscuit and some tea. (laughs) Thank you, my dear. I always love hanging out with you. Thank you for listening to my interview. 
interview with Akria Obroy, founding general partner of Goddess Gaia Ventures. If you'd like your startup's fundraise to be considered by Goddess Gaia, then go to ggventures.co.uk to submit information about your deal. That's ggventures.co.uk. Alrighty, Femme fans, don't forget to register for our jobs fair happening on March 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Join our new virtual community and become a Femme Pro member for only $14.99 a month to access all of our assets of the Femtech community, like our databases and self-guided Femtech Accelerator. Please consider supporting Femtech Focus by giving the show a five-star review and becoming a monthly donor to our organization. Subscribe to our newsletter and know all the new events coming up. All this can be done at femtechfocus.org. Until next time, keep innovating, because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.